0: You're listening to The Packernet Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, today I decided that what I would do is one of my favorite things to do, which is to find comps for uh, the current playoff teams. And what that means, what it, well, let me put it this way. What it used to mean is I look at all the teams that won the Super Bowl and I say, which Super Bowl team do you most resemble? This time around, today, what I did is I said, which playoff team do you most resemble? Because I kind of changed the way that I do it to give me more ability to kind of do a broader search. It's not so manual, you know, because there's been a lot of uh, Super Bowl winners, but there is a ridiculous amount of teams that have been to the playoffs, like 700 and some odd teams or whatever. So um, unless I had some kind of a way of a search, which I do now... I wouldn't really be able to do this. Um, obviously, this is not anything. What in the world are you doing? I got uh, freaking Matt Ramage has got some video playing on Facebook in my ears. Get out of here, Matt. Ruining my podcast. That's sabotage right there. He did that on purpose. I have no idea why that auto-played. Des didn't catch it, by the way. Anyways, there's a lot of different ways that you can do this, right? And as soon as I put like little hints out on Twitter, everybody lost their mind because they're like, what are you talking about? Listen, again, go do it yourself and see what you can come up with. I like the way that I did it. I like the criteria that I used. Now, if we're just most people want to focus in on players, right? I had somebody comment about the injuries and then somebody comment about the quarterback quality. Okay, well, if we're talking about the players, the, um, you know what team most resembles 2021? Probably 2020. Maybe 2019 and that's it. You know which team most likely re- resembles the uh, 2021 Chiefs? The 2020 Chiefs. You know what team most likely remember- resembles the 2021 Steelers? Probably the 2020. 2020- you see what I'm saying? That's stupid and boring. Not to mention completely impossible to do any kind of a thorough search of football in its entirety. Which, by the way, that also upset people. Like, well, they're different eras. Dude, I listen. Wow. I don't. It's a fun little exercise, dude. Chill out. First of all, the different eras don't really matter. Because we're playing in this era, and they're playing in that era, and we're just talking about how good you are compared to the other teams. The quality of your offense, the quality of your defense, the era doesn't really matter. Same with the player. Um, For example, if a 2021, let's just say the Cardinals compared to the 1965 Colts, Baltimore Colts or whatever, how you got where you got is sort of irrelevant. Well, this team has a good quarterback, and that team didn't have a good quarterback, okay. Okay. But the offensive production is identical. So obviously they're compensating for that somewhere else. So just please listen to me. It isn't that serious. And if you want to really get upset, the best thing you can do, go do this exact exercise the way that you think it should be done. Tell me your comp so I can completely rip it to shreds. That'd be great. But that is my main focus. So, so there's the number one thing, the sort of top priority that I looked at when I went through this was point differential. Why point differential? Point differential is a metric that says how badly you are either beat or beat other teams, um, period. Now, I did all of these things on a per-game basis because point differential is a cumulative thing, as is all these you know points for, points against, all that. Those are cumulative. So I made it per game because we have 17 games. We used to have 16. Before that, we had less and less and less and less. But if you have a point differential of six, that means on average you're beating teams by six points. That includes all the games, including the ones you lost. If you have a negative four point differential, on average, you're losing by four. So that's the first thing. There's also points for and points against that I use, which is, again, on a per game basis, on average, how, how many points do you score per game? How many points do you give up per game? And then finally, I also looked at the record because there's usually a pile of teams. And I don't want to say the 12 and four, you know, Ravens are comparable to this nine win team that snuck into the playoff. I will if I have to, but there's so many teams that you compare to, I'd rather not. I want to find a team that didn't win a lot of games, but also had these attributes to kind of give a full picture. They usually beat uh, teams by this much. And and by the way, points for and points against is automatically going to give you that point differential. But the point is, if you start with point differential as the most important, as there's different ways to get that. Plus four could be you score 34, but you give up 30, it could be you score 24 and give up 20, right? One is a really good uh, offense, really bad defense. One is a pretty subpar offense and pretty good defense or average offense, I guess, I don't know, whatever. Right, so those are the main things that I wanted to whittle it down by. I absolutely am not going to spend all this time trying to find out exactly which team also has a player playing an Aaron Rodgers' stature because there are maybe like six quarterbacks like ever. That are on their like back to back MVP level play, and I, I guarantee you, none of those teams resemble the team that we have. So that was the main criteria that I used, and so I want to just give a, a quick picture of these different teams. And for some of them, there's depending on what direction you want to go, um, you could pick different teams. There's you know, sometimes it's very clear, sometimes it's not. But for the Arizona Cardinals, it kind of came down to two teams. Arizona Cardinals, by the way, right now, they are an 11-6 team. They averaged for the season about 26 points, gave up about 20, point differential of around five. The two teams that are most similar from what I can tell are the 2005 Cincinnati Bengals and the 2003 Seattle Seahawks. The other thing that I did to kind of use tiebreakers or whatever, if it kind of got down to the wire, is look at the teams and decide. Who kind of has the same feel to it, right? If, if, for example, the Arizona Cardinals have been on a massive losing streak, right? They've got 11 wins, which is impressive, but that doesn't include the fact that they've lost four out of their last five. And so with the Cincinnati Bengals, you got the 11-5 and five Marvin Lewis Cincinnati Bengals. Um, they didn't lose four out of their last four, but they did lose their last two games. Um, the Cincinnati Bengals ended up going one and done. So they were an 11, you know, you look at it and say, okay, it's the Bengals, and they kind of stink or whatever. This is an 11-5 and team going into the playoffs, and they end up going one and done. And as for the Seattle Seahawks, uh, again, kind of similar where they started losing a bunch of games at the end. They did win their last two, but they lost three of the last four prior to that. Um, Seattle Seahawks also one and done. Uh, They actually went up against the Green Bay Packers and lost in overtime 33-27. to So... um, You know, the the main part of this project isn't necessarily to read into the future, but it does give a flavor of what this team is. And when the two teams that are most similar go one and done in the playoff, granted, spoiler alert, no comps went to the Super Bowl. Although there was one Packers comp that was very close that I could have picked that did win the Super Bowl. Um, But I didn't go with that because, I don't know. But ultimately, I think if I had to pick a team... That was most similar to this Arizona Cardinals team. It would probably be the 2003 Seattle Seahawks under Mike Holmgren. That was the Matt Hasselbeck, Sean Alexander, Seattle Seahawks. Again, clearly not the same kind of a team. You know, uh, Sean Alexander is an absolute freak. Matt Hasselbeck is fine, but he's not, you know, he's not a mobile quarterback or whatever. I don't care. Their point differential is very similar Again, scoring 20, uh, 25 points a game, allowing 20 points a game. I think the other semi-interesting thing is the reason Seattle lost ultimately was because of their defense. Um, the defense allowed the Green Bay Packers to get up to 33 points. The Packers were the fourth highest ranked offense that year. They're go- The Cardinals this year are going up against the Rams. They're not the fourth highest, but they are the seventh highest ranked offense in football. So um, again, the parallels, man. Plus, I mean, let's be honest. Arizona just hasn't been very good lately, so betting on the Rams is not the worst bet in the world. Anyway, speaking of for the LA Rams, I've uh, I've got one, and it's also the LA Rams. It is the 1989 Los Angeles Rams, eleven and five under Coach John Robinson. I'd go through these players, but um, people my age, roughly, uh, probably don't know these people. But if you look at the uh, point differential. Uh, 5.12 compared to 5.18 uh points allowed 21.5 compared to 21.8 points for 26.6 compared to 27.0 and the 2020 Rams uh 2021 Rams 12 and five compared to 11 and five so very very similar teams even if you look at how they ended the season the 2021 Rams um one one two three four five five of their last six I think the um the 1989 Rams won six of their last seven. So very, very similar, real hot streak with the exception of one game in there. And in both instances, it was the San Francisco 49ers. The 1989 Rams uh, lost one game to the 49ers, 27-30. to 30. That was week 14. Uh, this current team lost to the San Francisco 49ers just this past week, 24-27. to 27. Now, the good news for the Rams, if we do want to look at this into the future, um, We've already said we expect them to beat the Rams, which that would work out in this case as well. The Rams went on to beat the Eagles 21-7. to Then they went on to beat the Giants in overtime, but then lost to the 49ers in the NFC Championship. For the Buffalo Bills now, not really in any particular order, I'm just kind of going through as I went through, but the Bills and the Patriots, by the way, very, very unusual because generally teams that are this good, this dominant, have better records. The Buffalo Bills have a pretty bad record considering, so it's hard to find a comp. But I did in the George Seifert 1993 San Francisco 49ers. Steve Young, Jerry Rice, that whole gang. But this, these are teams that are pretty dominant. You've got uh, point differential for these for the Bills, 11.4, San Francisco 11.1. Again, this is how badly you're beaten teams. On average, uh, the 49ers were scoring 29.5 points a game. The Bills, 28.5 points allowed. San Francisco, 18.4. Buffalo, only 17. But again, when you look at the records, Buffalo is an 11-6 team. San Francisco was 10-6. and So pretty low record, all things considered, but very, very, very similar. How did they fare? Number one offense in all of football. Well, they... um, went on to play the New York Giants and beat them 44-3. to Now, it's it's actually really, really funny because if you think about the Buffalo Bills, what about what have I been saying about them since forever? Highly volatile. The reason I don't trust the Buffalo Bills isn't because they're good, because they'll go up against a team and blow them up by 40 points, no problem. The problem is they don't win consistently. They beat the Giants 44-3. to You're telling me you can't see the Buffalo Bills going and playing the Patriots and blowing them out of the wall? Well, the Patriots might be tough, but... I could see him doing it once. The problem is, at least insofar as San Francisco, which is a pretty similar team with similar issues, which it it has to be the case, because if you have a point differential that high and a record that low, you have a lot of losses, but still have that high of a point differential because you're blowing teams out of the water. It has to be that way. So they beat the Vikings 38-19. They beat uh, uh, Phoenix Cardinals 28-14. They beat the Rams 40-17. Uh, Tampa 45 21 the Saints 42 to 7 the Rams 35 to 10 right they're blowing teams out of the water but they also keep losing you know then then you lose to the Houston Oilers 7 to 10 you lose to the Eagles 34 to 37 right one one game your offense can't do anything you score 7 points the very next week you your defense allows you score 34 but your defense allows 37 so just a really weird highly volatile team and sure enough, week one, you blow a team out of the water. I'm sure everybody said this San Francisco team is unstoppable. They're they're just too good. And the very next week, they play the Dallas Cowboys and get beat 38 to 21. The defense just allows almost 40 points. So um, again, I really do like the comp. It's not as much meant to predict the future, because if that was the case, no teams are winning the Super Bowl this year. But it is interesting. As for their opponents, we do have two teams again, and this is New England. And again, New England's tough because there is no comp. Buffalo, I at least found that. there There is no comp that's to my liking. In any For any other team, I'd look at both of these teams and go, eh, it's not quite close enough. In this case, I've got two different teams. If you look at just the point differential, the points, all that kind of stuff, the best team that you could look at would be the 1969 Oakland Raiders. Point differential, 9.3 compared to 9.6. Points allowed, 17.2 compared to 17.8. Uh, points for... 26.9 compared to 27.1. Very, very identical in terms of offensive and defensive output. But what's the biggest issue with this? The biggest issue is that, again, you got a dominant team that has a bad record, which is very, very rare. The 1969 uh, Oakland Raiders, by the way, legendary coach John Madden, the problem with this comp is they were 12-1-1. and They just beat the living Daylights out of everybody. They had number one ranked offense in terms of points and yards, number two ranked defense in terms of points and yards. They, they, <laughs> I mean, you heard the record, they they annihilated everybody. They had one tie with the Miami Dolphins and one loss against the Cincinnati Bengals 17 to 31. But they just stopped everyone. So I I can't really use that as a comp because a 12 and one Oakland Raiders compared to the 10 and 7 Patriots, it's just that's not very good. Conversely, the next best team that I could find would be the 2009 Baltimore Ravens. Now, the point differential is 8.1 compared to 9.3. Obviously, it's hard to find a team that's as good with that bad of a record, but this is close. 8.3, uh, 8.1 compared to 9.3. The tw- 2009 Baltimore Ravens scored 24.4 points compared to the Patriots' 27, and they allowed 16.3 compared to 17.8 the record was 9-7. and seven. So much closer, 10-7 and seven compared to 9-7. and seven. So if I got to pick a team, I'm probably going with the 2009 Baltimore Ravens, even though the points don't exactly line up enough. The offense wasn't quite as good as the Patriots offense, but the defense was slightly better. So if I had to pick, I'm probably going with the 2009 Baltimore uh, Ravens. If you don't really care as much about record, as I know some people don't, it's all about point differential and all that, then you're looking at Oakland. Well, you might ask, what did the 2009 Baltimore Ravens do? Well, they played the New England Patriots and beat them 33-14. Then up against the Indianapolis Colts, they lost 3-20. Well, you might say, okay, but what about that Raiders team? Because I think that's more uh, relevant. Well, they beat the Houston Oilers 56-7 and then ended up getting spanked by the Chiefs 7-17. So either way, it's one win, one loss. So it doesn't really change anything. Next up, the uh, 10-7, Zach Taylor, Joe Burrow, Cincinnati Bengals, catching some serious fire down the stretch here. I mean, you know, aside from their loss somehow to the Cleveland Browns. But, you know, there's a lot of hype around these guys. But the Bengals are sitting at a 4.9-point differential. They're scoring 27 points a game. They're allowing 22 points a game. The comp for them, the 2018 Seattle Seahawks. So it's the 10 and seven Bengals compared to the 10 and six Pete Carroll Seattle Seahawks. Uh, 26.75 compared to 27 points per game. Uh, Allowing Seattle allowed 21.6 compared to 22.1 point differential. Seattle five, Cincinnati 4.9. So they're very, very, very similar. Even if you look kind of down the stretch. You got Seattle kind of midseason dropped two games. They lost to the Chargers and the Rams week 9-10. and 10. Cincinnati lost two games in a row, uh, weeks 13 and 14, to the Chargers and the 49ers. And then since then, uh, they went on to win except for one game. For Seattle, their one game came week 15 against the 49ers in overtime. For the Bengals, it was this past week where they lost to the uh, Cleveland Browns uh, 16-21. to How did the Seattle Seahawks fare? Well, in 2018, they went up against the Dallas Cowboys, lost 22 to 24. Womp, womp. But what about the Las Vegas Raiders? One of the really interesting things about the Las Vegas Raiders is um, they're in a pretty exclusive club. Um, Granted, when you're talking about like 700, 800 different teams, you're going to have a little bit of this, but it shouldn't be super surprising that. if you're in the playoffs, you probably have a positive point differential, which means you beat teams more thoroughly than you get beat. The Raiders do not have that situation. They have a negative 3.82 point differential. So trying to find a playoff team with a negative 3.82 point differential and in the same way was not easy. The, The, um, Raiders on average are giving up 22 po- or are scoring 22 points a game. They're giving up almost 26. Well, we got to dig back into our uh, bag of tricks and find a team that doesn't even exist anymore. I found the 1989 Houston Oilers scoring 22.8, so almost 23, compared to the Raiders 22, and allowing 25.75 compared to the Raiders 25.82, almost identical. So the Houston Oilers' offense was slightly better, so they were a little under negative three or above negative three, however you want to put that, 2.94, but very, very similar in that regard. In other words, they're a team that doesn't really belong in the playoffs, but got in anyways. They do have a winning record at 10-7, and 7. the Houston Oilers 9-7, so again, very similar record, which is another thing that's difficult is to have a winning record with a negative point differential, but both of these teams managed to do so. I think the biggest difference, and again, it's hard to find really good comps when you have such a small sample size. But the biggest difference is the Raiders going on a four-game win streak down the stretch. The eighty-nine Oilers uh, lost three of their last five, so they, and including their last two games. But either way, it did not end very well for the eighty-nine Houston Oilers. They went up against the Pittsburgh Steelers and lost twenty-six to twenty-three. That wasn't even a very good Steelers team. They were also nine and seven, but. Um, yeah, not surprisingly, a team that is not necessarily even playoff caliber uh, with that kind of production didn't fare very well in the playoffs. And this is one of those areas where I could say, I do think I can read into the future a little bit. I, I am planning on doing Super Bowl. I think that's going to be even harder, if not impossible, to find a comp for the Raiders as far as Super Bowl winners, because, I mean, you know, Super Bowl... Winners don't usually have negative point differentials in the regular season. Anyways, next up, again, no particular order, we got the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys sitting at 12 and 5. Obviously, a pretty dominant offense. The Dallas Cowboys are sitting at 12 and 5. They score a little over 31 points per game. They only allow 21 points per game with a point differential of a little over 10. I mean, there's no other way to put it. It's a pretty dominant team. This is one of those teams that I have two comps for. Um, The one that is the closest is a little bit older. And so, well, when I tell you, the best comp is complicated. Complicated, never mind. But you got to go all the way back to 1959. And it is the Baltimore, not Ravens, but Colts. So it's kind of hard to do a uh, translation in terms of wins and losses when you have such a different uh, group of games. But the Dallas Cowboys 12-5, and 5, the Baltimore Colts 9-3. and 3. That's pretty similar in terms of win percentage. Beyond that, though, the Colts were scoring 31.1 points per game, almost identical to the Dallas Cowboys. They allowed 20.9 points compared to 21.0. Again, uh, that's allowed. Almost identical. So very, very similar in terms of record, offensive output, and defensive output. The problem is, though, back in 1959, um, the playoffs were basically just a championship. And so technically, they did win the Super Bowl. The first game in the quote-unquote playoffs was the championship game. They played the New York Jets, and they squashed them 31-16. to 16. So that is the best comp. But if you want to kind of read into the future a little bit, see how they did in the playoffs, you're not going to be able to use the Baltimore Colts. Instead, you'd have to use the Indianapolis Colts, and fast forward all the way to 2004. The 2004 uh, Tony Dungy Indianapolis Colts were 12-4, uh, and 4, again, compared to 12-5. and 5. Number one ranked offense, similar to the Dallas Cowboys. This is the Panning, uh, Panning, Peyton Manning, um, Edgerrin James, Reggie Wayne, Marvin Harrison, you know, that whole crew. The 2004 Colts scored 32.6 points per game, so the offense was a little bit better. Uh, the defense allowed 21.9 compared to 21.0, so the defense was just ever so slightly worse. So I would say the 2004 Colts were just slightly better than Dallas, but almost identical in pretty much every way. How did they fare, this powerhouse team? Well, they went up against the Denver Broncos and smashed them 49-24 to and then they went up against the New England Patriots and lost 3-20. to 3-20. You know, the part of the fun thing about doing this exercise is giving you perspective because you look at these teams and you think, man, how could they ever lose? But when you look at the full history of football, you see teams that are, I mean, you want to say teams like Dallas, you've never seen it before, or teams like the Chiefs, or teams like the whoever it is. We've never seen it. Yes, we have. Yes, we have. And you know what? They probably lost in the playoffs because that's what almost all teams do. When I say that I found comps and none of them won the Super Bowl, you know why that is? Because teams almost never win the Super Bowl. Even teams that go to the playoffs. I mean, it's a given that if you are a team in the NFL, you're not probably going to win the Super Bowl. But even if you go to the playoffs, there's 14 teams. That's half the league. It's 1-14 in chance. It's not the greatest of odds. So there's a ton of one and duns, 2 and duns, whatever. Because it's the playoffs, man, and it doesn't, it doesn't matter that this is the number one most dominant offense in all of football. They lost because they only scored three points. The defense only gave up 20. The 2004 Indianapolis Colts just needed to get more than 20 points, and they could not do it. They got paired up with a pretty nasty Patriots defense, and they played like garbage. And, and again, looking at it from a perspective kind of standpoint, we, we tend to think that only happens to the Packers. The Packers are the only team in the history of, of the National Football League that are very, very good in the regular season. They get into the playoffs, they maybe win a game, and then they just get annihilated and embarrassed in, in just the most spectacular fashion. No, this happens all the time. 2004, Peyton Manning, Tony Dungy, Reggie Wayne, Indianapolis Colts, number one offense in football, dropping 40-some-odd points in the first round of the playoffs, scored three. And no, Peyton Manning didn't get injured in this game. He was 27-42, 238 yards, zero touchdowns and a pick. He went up against Tom Brady, big shocker. Tom Brady didn't have that great of a game either, but it doesn't matter. It was all about the defense. As usual. Stupid Peyton Manning, man. Why couldn't you take this one away from him? anyways next up we'll look at their opponents, the San Francisco 49ers. In this case we got one nice clean and easy comp. San Francisco under Kyle Shanahan is sitting at 10 and seven. their comp is the nine and seven 2013 San Diego Chargers. this is the Mike McCoy, Philip Rivers, Ryan Matthews, Danny Woodhead, San Diego Chargers. Point differential the 49ers are slightly better. Um, They score 25 points per game compared to San Diego's 24.75. San Francisco allows 21.4 points per game, San Diego 21.7, but again, basically identical. And really, even if you think about the team, I don't know that it's all that different. From an offensive standpoint, I mean, you look at a guy like Phillip Rivers, there's nothing wrong with Phillip Rivers. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not Pat Mahomes. He's not, uh, you know, Tom Brady, whatever but he's a very capable guy. And then you got a, a stud like Keenan Allen on the team. You got the capable backs with Matthews and Woodhead. You got Antonio Gates at tight end, you know, got the powerhouse tight end. But anyways, just like everybody else, and as you would probably expect with a team that is sitting at 9-7, and seven, they didn't go super far in the playoffs, but they did win one game. They uh, went 27-10 to 10 against the Cincinnati Bengals and then fell 24-17 to the Denver Broncos. So they had their one surprise win in there, but at the end of the day, and again, this is what I've said about a lot of teams, it's about longevity. It's about not just how badly can you beat teams or how likely are you to win games. How likely are you to win three in a row or however many you particular in particular need to win? It matters. And the problem with high volatility teams, teams with negative point differentials, teams with nine and seven records, There's a lot of doubt in my mind, not that you can win football games, but that you can win consistently against the best of the best, by the way. It's not like you're going against the Jaguars, Lions, and Houston Texans. Like, yeah, you might go three in a row on that. When you're talking, you know, uh, Dallas, then Green Bay, and then the Chiefs, wouldn't even be that. It It would be Dallas, and then the, then Tampa Bay, and then the Packers, and then the Chiefs, or whatever. Not super likely. And so in this particular case, again, they kind of shocked the 11-5 Marv Lewis-Cincinnati Bengals, but then they went up against the 13-3 John Fox-Denver Broncos and got spanked. Big shocker. Again, you're going up against 11-win, 12-win, 13-14-win teams. You're unlikely to win. Anyways, we should probably take a break. I was kind of planning on uh, doing all these, taking a break and talking about something else, but this is taking longer than I thought. So we will take a break right now. Don't forget to check out my pinned tweet on the tweeter where you can go help support Drew, get his uh, service dog. If you want to support the podcast, plenty of ways to do that. Patreon, etc., etc. But we'll take a break. We'll be right back. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't just misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you. Us Days at U.S. Cellular. Exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. All right, we'll go next up, Kansas City Chiefs. This team, there were several different comps that I kind of was working with, um, but I think the best might actually be the first ever season for the Houston Oilers. Somehow, this first ever team had a pretty good offense and defense. Coached by Lou Rimkus, quarterback George Blanda, definitely know that guy. I doubt I know anybody else on this team, though. But uh, Kansas City Chiefs sitting at 12-5, and 5, the Oilers at the time 10-4. It is, of the teams, the closest in record. Uh, in terms of point differential, 6.7 for the Oilers compared to 6.8 for Kansas City. Again, probably the closest in terms of points scored. Houston, 27 points compared to Kansas City's 28.2. Points allowed Houston 20.3, Kansas City 21.4. The other two teams in contention, the 2003 Indianapolis Colts, the biggest difference being Indianapolis having a much better record, and the 2012 Green Bay Packers. Biggest difference there would probably be the overall point differential being significantly lower, meaning just kind of a, a, a worse team overall. So the closest overall in terms of the metrics I was looking at is probably Houston in, in 1960. And what did Houston in 1960 do? Well, again, you got the one championship game and they won. Congratulations, Kansas City is going to win the Super Bowl. Outside of that, 2003 Colts with Tony Dungy actually got pretty far. I don't know if I looked at Was it 2003 we already looked at? Anyways, beat the Denver Broncos 41-10, beat Kansas City 38-31, but then losing the AFC Championship, to the New England Patriots, 24-14. As for the Packers in 2012, that was 11-5 and under Mike McCarthy. Uh, they went to the playoffs, beat the Minnesota Vikings 24-10, to ended up losing to the San Francisco 49ers 31-45, to the old classic defensive implosion. But uh, again, depending on which, I mean, it's not the worst in terms of playoff record. The Packers won a game, the Colts won two games, and the... Um, Oilers won the championship, but honestly, there's something about comparing the uh, Kansas City Chiefs to the 2012 Packers that makes me go, eh, I think we could take them, because I think the 2021 Packers could beat the 2012 Packers. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm lying about that. I don't know. I feel like I'm not, though. As for their hapless opponents, the Pittsburgh Steelers, there was one very, very good comp, which is surprising because, once again, we have a negative point differential, 3.24, but this team is right on the money. Um, It is the 1998 Arizona Cardinals. Pittsburgh Steelers are sliding into the playoffs at 9-7-1. The Arizona Cardinals were at 9-7. Both teams with a negative three point differential, the Pittsburgh Steelers 3.2, Arizona 3.3. Points scored 21.3 compared to 21.1. Points allowed 23.6 compared to 23.4. They're identical teams. They're the, (laughs) the same team. Uh, This was Vince Tobin was the head coach. Jake Plummer was the quarterback. Um, Who else is familiar here? Nobody for me personally. I do know on the defense, Simeon Rice and A.S. Williams. And that might be about it. Oh, Pat Tillman. Pat Tillman, obviously, on the team. But despite having a couple good players, I mean, come on. Honestly, Jake Plummer, you can only go so far. And honestly, when you're talking Ben Roethlisberger, again, it's not the worst comp in the world. I mean, you got a quarterback that's just kind of holding you back. You got an offense that's pretty lackluster, even if you got some defenders that are um, pretty on point. But uh, again, also similar in terms of how it's ended. Um, the Arizona Cardinals in 1998 did go on a three game win streak to end the season. The Steelers have gone on a two game win streak, which isn't quite as impressive, but they've ended fairly strong. And in both cases, it was mostly the defenses. The Pittsburgh Steelers allowed in the last two games 14 and 13 points that they ended up winning. The uh, three games that the Arizona Cardinals won down the stretch, 17, 17, and 13 points allowed. How did they do in the playoffs? The uh, wild card game was against the Dallas Cowboys. They won 20 to 7. So again, you got Jake Plummer, who's putting up 20 points, but the defense comes in clutch, only scores seven. And like always happens in these situations, same thing that always happens to the Packers, your weakness comes back and blows up in your face, which is why, again, if you want to win a Super Bowl, minimize the weaknesses. Really need just some solid consistency all the way down the line. But um, offense scored 21 points and the defense had its bad day. And when the defense had its bad day, you lose 21 to 41 and got embarrassed by the Minnesota Vikings. So, Again, not trying to use this to read into the future, but I'm pretty comfortable saying Kansas City's probably going to do a little better than Pittsburgh. Who knows? We'll see what happens. Anyways, the final four, we've got our NFC team, so slightly more interesting. We'll start off with the Philadelphia Eagles. Not the most exciting team in the world. 3.4 point point differential. They have a 9-8 record under Nick Sirianni. So again, the complication is finding a team that is... Decent and has a terrible record, but still got into the playoffs. And in this case, we're going with the 2013 San Diego Chargers under Mike McCoy. Again, Phillip Rivers, that whole thing. I'm not going through the whole roster again because we've done this already. But uh, fairly similar teams. Again, difficult when you're talking about this bad of a record. But 26 points compared to 24, uh, about 25 points scored per game. Defensively, Philly Philly's given up 22 points a game. San Diego, 21.7 points per game. And again, we've, we've kind of done this before, but you got a bad record. You might be able to beat one team. You're going to struggle to do another one. We've already talked about it. The Cincinnati Bengals, they beat 27-10, to 10, and then they lose to the Denver Broncos 17-14. It's a tough road. Now, Philadelphia has come on fairly strong, despite losing to the Cowboys in spectacular fashion. But prior to that, they won their last four in a row. Granted, it was Washington twice, the Giants and the Jets, but still four in a row. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying. They're, they're going to be bad, though. Sorry, I said we had four NFC teams. I don't know why. I thought Tennessee was NFC. My brain freaked out for a second. We'll do Tennessee. No, we won't. We'll we'll save the two top teams for last. That's what I meant to do, because I'm, I'm super organized that way. Tampa Bay is the final team that doesn't get a bye. NFC team, again, a fairly good team with a 9.2 point differential, scoring 30 points a game, only allowing 20.7 points per game. I had two different comps here, and the reason I like both comps is because they both work and they both make a good amount of sense. In terms of which one's closer, it's I honestly don't know. But we'll start off with the most recent, and that is the 2020 New Orleans Saints. The thing I like about both of these comps is they both have these sort of Hall of Fame but older quarterbacks, guys who've been you know at the, toward the end, obviously new uh, with Drew Brees in 2020. But the New Orleans Saints in 2020, 30.1 points compared to 30.0 points per game. Defensively, the New Orleans Saints were only allowing 21.0 points. Tampa Bay, 20.7. Point differential of 9.0 compared to 9.2 for Tampa. So almost identical teams. If you look at their records, Tampa Bay is sitting at 13-4. The Saints last year, 12-4. Very, very similar teams. You probably remember they went up against the Chicago Bears, beat them 21-9, to 9, and then fell to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 20-30. to 30. Another interesting tidbit about that exact comp. Um, a little bit more historic but also accurate uh, comp for Tampa Bay is the 1998 San Francisco 49ers. They were also 12 and 4 under Steve Mariucci, but your quarterback is Mr. Steve Young at the age of 37 years old. Not exactly Tom Brady old, but he's up there, considering almost nobody is ever Tom Brady old, you know. But it was the uh, second last year of his entire career. Again, end of the career type of comp. But down the line, very similar, 9.4 point differential compared to 9.3, 20.5 points allowed compared to 20.7, 29.9 points scored compared to 30.0 points scored. Very, very, very similar. What did Tampa do? Very similar to New Orleans, or what did San Francisco do? Very similar to New Orleans. They played the Green Bay Packers and they beat us in the wildcard game 30 to 27. Then they go on to play the Atlanta Falcons and lose 18 to 20. So they are both one win and out. Considering their first game as the Philadelphia Eagles, I would be stunned if they don't win that. However, there's going to be some tough competition after. If it's one win and done, I'm fine with that. That team that beats them would not be the Green Bay Packers because that's not a possibility, but I really don't care as long as it's literally anybody. Anyways, the number one seed in the final team before we get to the Green Bay Packers, the Tennessee Titans. For this one, I had one and only one, the 2008 Atlanta Falcons. The Tennessee Titans sitting at twelve and five, the two thousand eight Falcons eleven and five. Uh, this is the Mike Smith, Matt Ryan, Roddy White, one of my uh one of my favorite non Packers players. And of course Michael Turner. They also had John Abraham at his absolute pinnacle with sixteen and a half sacks that season. So I mean it it is kind of funny, too, because I, I, I almost wonder if there's something to the play style that correlates, because a lot of these teams do have similar structures to their team. All right, Matt Ryan is a good quarterback. Not elite, but he's good. Pretty comparable to um, Ryan Tannehill. The, the main driving force of this team, and I know Derrick uh, Henry went down, but it's Derrick Henry, it's the rushing attack. Well, Michael Turner was first-team All-Pro this season. He was the main driving force at almost 1,700 yards and 17 touchdowns in 2008, but um, they scored only 24 points per game. Uh, For both teams, not overly impressive, which again, decent quarterback, mostly a rushing team. The biggest driving factor was the defense. Atlanta, 20.3 points per game. Tennessee, 20.8 points per game. How did Atlanta do? Did they win the Super Bowl? Nope. One and done. Now, granted, Tennessee can't lose in the wild card here, but they were one and done. They played the Arizona Cardinals, which, again, it's just 11-5, and five, you're a good football team, you play one time, you play the Arizona Cardinals, 24-30. to 30. Granted, somebody's got to lose, but that's, especially the 2008 Arizona Cardinals, 9-7 and seven under Ken Wisenhunt, and they lose. That's brutal. But anyways, finally... We get to the Green Bay Packers, and I've got three teams, and honestly, the the main team that I'm using probably isn't even the best. So maybe I'll just start with that, and then I'll give you the other teams. Um, It was hard to find an exact team here. If you follow me on Twitter, you saw the team that I compared to, but again, probably not even the best comparison. I just like it because of the actual comparisons, and that is the 2002 Green Bay Packers. So this year, there is a point differential of point four point six five. That's how badly we're beating teams by about four and a half points. 2002 Green Bay Packers, it was 4.3. Offensively this year, 26 points a game compared to 24.8, call it 25-ish. So again, the offense wasn't quite as good in 2002, but the defense was a little bit better, allowing 20.5 points per game. This year, 21.8 points per game. The other thing that I liked about it though, because again, I didn't really look at players, but I thought Brett Favre, we know that Aaron Rodgers is either going to win MVP or be in second place for MVP. So I said, I want to look it up. I want to see if Favre won the MVP. So I looked it up. He did not win the MVP, but he was the runner up. He had the second most votes. And I thought that's kind of perfect because if Tom Brady does end up winning a pretty, pretty much guarantee, although maybe not, that Aaron Rodgers will have the second most votes for MVP. So all things considered, that is a very good comp. Now, most people hated it because the 2002 Packers didn't do well in the playoffs, and they just seemed to assume that I was saying that we were going to get annihilated in the playoffs, but that wasn't really what I was driving at, but we might as well look at it anyways. 2002, uh, actually, you know what, there were even more similarities aside from, uh, from just the things that I listed. The uh, 2002 Green Bay Packers, first of all, 12-4 and record compared to our uh, 13-4 and record. Um, but even if you look at the structure of how things kind of went down, we had one beat early in the season, week one, to the New Orleans Saints. They had one beat early in the season, week two, to the New Orleans Saints. They had two midweek losses. We had two midweek losses. We lost... Uh, Week 9 to the Chiefs, Week 11 to the Vikings. Their two losses, Week 11 to the Vikings, Week 12 to Tampa Bay. Again, very similar. And then they also lost the last game of the season to a pretty bad team, the New York Jets. We lost our last game to a pretty bad team, the Detroit Lions. All things very, very similar. So runner-up MVP, possibly MVP. Very similar points scored, very similar points allowed. Very similar win losses, not only how many losses, but when the losses occurred and which teams those losses occurred to. In the end, we played the Atlanta Falcons in the wild card and we lost 27 to 1. This was the nine, six and one Atlanta Falcons. This is basically like us going up against Philly and getting beat. It's pretty much what that is. Except Philadelphia's won four in a row. This is a team that lost three out of their last four, the two thousand two Atlanta Falcons. They were they were bad. But, you know, Michael Vick. That's that's pretty much that's pretty much all you need to know is Michael Vick. <laughs> I don't I don't think I need to tell you anything else. However, if you're interested, there are a couple other teams that are similar, and um, probably the most similar. If I well, it's it's tough. Po- point differential, the closest would probably be the 2005 Cincinnati Bengals. However, another team that is extremely close is the 2006 Indianapolis Colts, four point six points point differential compared to 4.19, and, and the good thing there is ours is higher, which means technically our, our team is better. Points allowed, we allow 2 point, 21.8, they allow 22.5, so their defense is worse. Offensively, we score 26.47, they score 26.69, almost identical. So, I mean, we're talking fractions either way, right? We say, well, there's their defense was worse. Yeah, b- barely marginally, 0.7 points per game. whoop de doo The fun thing about this is, and again, I went through every single comp for every single team, and I showed you the results of those teams. If you believe, if we believe, that the 2006 Indianapolis Colts are the closest comp, which I think probably is a very good case to be made. I mean, if you want to factor in all those extras like Brett Favre, like uh, the, the the way the season unfolded, it's probably the Packers. But a closer actual comp based on what I'm doing. Is the 2006 Indianapolis Colts 12 and 4 record under Tony Dungy, Peyton Manning, Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, Dallas Clark? They got Robert Robert Mathis and Dwight Freeney off the edge. You know those those two guys just terrorizing people like we got Preston and Rashawn. Well, the fun part about this comp is what did they do in the playoffs? Well, they played the Kansas City Chiefs, beat them 23 to eight. They played the Baltimore Ravens, beat them 15 to six. They played the New England Patriots, beat them 38-34, to 34, then went to the Super Bowl against the Chicago Bears. God bless the Colts, it beat them 29-17. to 17. They won the Super Bowl. So, you know, again, this isn't really meant to predict the future, but it is kind of exciting to look at and see. Here's an example. And it's funny because there's three different examples. The 2002 Green Bay Packers are very similar. They got crushed. The 2005 Cincinnati Bengals, they got crushed. They were both just got annihilated in... And, you know, both very good records, both very good teams. They go to the playoffs, just boom, instantly dead. Another team that's almost identical to all three of these teams, right? All four of them together are almost identical to each other. Indianapolis, however got in the right groove, got in the right mindset, got in the right headspace, got the right guys playing, playing well, play you know, playing healthy, whatever the case may be, whatever special magic combo it was, they won the Super Bowl. And the funny thing is that's exactly what winning the Super Bowl is. It's a magic combination of circumstances. It's not a matter of the best team or this or that. It's just all the things that need to happen, happen. Even if you look at the way that they won, The defense carried them for the first two games. They only scored 23 and 15 points as Peyton Manning and all those guys I listed. Only 23 and 15, but the defense came through and allowed eight points and then six points. The next game, 34 points given up, but that's when the offense kicked into gear and won 38-34. This is why you need to have an offense that's that's run by Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. So if you get a, a team putting up 34 points, you have the opportunity to score 38. But you also need guys like Jair, guys like Zadarius and Rashawn and Devondre Campbell. You need all these guys to be healthy and to be playing Because you might need a a situation where maybe Aaron Rodgers isn't having the best day. The offensive line, the running game is is neutralized, whatever the case may be, and you're only going to score 15 points, 23 points, and you need to pull through. And then the ultimate crescendo, which is a beautiful thing, in the Super Bowl, the offense scores about 30 points, 29, but we'll call it 30. The defense allows 17. They both meet together for the Super Bowl and crush the Chicago Bears. It's a beautiful ending to the story, isn't it? Anyways, I find that exercise to be a lot of fun. Is it? Is it really telling us anything? No, man, it's just fun. But but I think the, the most interesting aspect of it is it just removes any and all determinism. Oh, that team is definitely going to... Nobody's going to stop the Chiefs. Da, da, da. There have been... No matter what team you're talking about, there have been better teams. And those better teams have lost. No matter what you're talking about, there have been worse teams that have won the Super Bowl. Actually, that's not entirely true. There... <laughs> There might be some teams this year in the playoffs that are worse than any Super Bowl team, but nothing is determined. And that's, that's not just based on your record and your score and how strong you're going in or how good your quarterback is or any of those kinds of things, looking at historical data. But it's also talking about, you know, th- this isn't 2020. This isn't 2019. And I know there's every reason to be discouraged because we keep getting to the playoffs and we keep losing. And we know how this story ends, but I understand But that's how the story ends for just about everybody. I went through, I don't know how many examples of playoff teams and every single one of them, with the exception of the 2006 Colts, every single one of them lost. I didn't go in and try to cherry pick losers so that I could just not have the, I just picked the best comp and none of them won. Go figure, because if you look at any team and any of their odds, including the Packers who have the best odds, it's less than 50% you win. Duh. Once again, we've had a great season. Once again, we're in the playoffs. Once again, we get to enjoy the ride. I hope I hope more than just about anything we win the Super Bowl. I want it so bad it hurts. But let's just enjoy the ride, all right? They're in position. Everything is going exactly the way they want it to go. If they lose, it's not because of some massive failure that the head coach is not qualified or the GM failed or or. it's football, dude. 14 teams are in the the playoffs. 13 of them are going to lose. There, there is no reason for you to believe that either we win or everybody's a massive failure. That's not the reality because all 14 teams take that mentality and you got 13 teams that should all fire their coaches and their GMs. It's stupid. Football is awesome and it sucks for that exact reason. It's awesome because... It's such a special thing to win. I mean, that's every sport. It's such an unbelievable special thing because it's so fleeting. But it also sucks because it's just, it's probably not going to happen. Not because of anything the Packers are doing, just because you have a 1-14 in shot. Just enjoy it. Because on the flip side of that, what if it happens? What if? We're like a month away from the Super Bowl. We might be a month away from watching Aaron Rodgers hoist the Lombardi Trophy. Brace yourselves. You guys have a great day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.